Well, greetings, everyone. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us. I realize it's a uh, cooler, blustier Christmas. Feel free to be seated if you like, or keep, remain standing and jump around to keep warm, whatever your preference. <coughs> we are making a memory. We will be saying, remember that Christmas that was kind of blustery? We met in the park, and the sun came out. And we will rejoice together. Yeah. Do you know what was the most searched for word on Google in 2020? See that? Most searched for word on Google in 2020. COVID. You'd think it would be pandemic or COVID. It was the word why. I think it makes sense. A worldwide pandemic, economic repercussions, real suffering for many. We want to know answers. We want to know why. We want to know purpose. Christmas doesn't directly address the why of a global pandemic, but Christmas brings to us an even greater why that I want to see with you. An even bigger why, you might say. A, a why that overshadows and envelops all other whys that you might be wrestling with this evening. We just heard read to us a passage that I, I acknowledge is not standard Christmas fare. It's from Luke chapter 4. It's a scene where Jesus is beginning his public ministry. He goes to his hometown of Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue, probably the synagogue where he grew up. He is handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, as they would do for a visiting rabbi. And Jesus unrolls that scroll to the exact spot that is our chapter 61. And he reads a portion of that speech. It's a portion that you can find on your song lyric sheets right after the last song we just sang. There the speaker is the, the servant of the Lord, a, a figure who appears throughout Isaiah's prophecy. But here, as you'll see in verse 1, the, the servant is anointed of the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God himself. He is, in fact, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, to come, speaking to us. Jesus then shocks his hearers in Nazareth by saying, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. At the very start of his ministry, Jesus turns to this passage in Isaiah 61 and says, in effect, this passage defines my ministry. This passage is my job description. This passage is my mission statement. This passage is the purpose of Christmas. This is why I came. This is why the baby was lying in the manger, in other words. <clears throat> it's a bigger, more massive, more glorious why that we must grasp this evening, friends. I think you could sum it up in a word, the word transformation. The word transformation. You see, Isaiah is writing around... 700 BC, seven centuries before the first Christmas, telling people they're about to be invaded, about to be carried away into exile, their land decimated, their lives 
destroyed, they're going to be asking, why? Why? And here they are given a future hope of a coming transformation. A transformation that encompasses all facets of life. Social, economic, emotional, and spiritual transformation held out to us that invades our world that first Christmas. Look with me on your song lyrics. In verse 1, you'll see that the servant of the Lord, anointed of the Spirit, comes to, quote, bring good news to the poor. To bring good news to the poor. And the poor here in this verse, not just those with an empty checking or savings account. It's all those who are afflicted and oppressed. People who are, are helpless to help themselves. Can you relate? Jesus is not indifferent to your plight if so he comes to bring you good news he has sent me it continues he has sent me to bind up to bind up the broken hearted the ideas of of bandaging a wound a wound but here the bandage is is for the soul it's it's healing it's care for those who are suffering emotionally you might say brokenhearted, or depressed, or downcast, or discouraged. A lot in this life can put us into an emotional tailspin, can't it? It doesn't take much for me, at least. A minor cold, and it seems like I'm an emotional tailspin, let alone the aches and pains of middle age, seeing people I love suffer around me, tasting in ways, a little of that suffering at times myself. Maybe that's you. For some reason, you are, you are broken-hearted this evening. The one born at Christmas, the one who identified with this passage, he can bring a, a bandage, healing, you might say, that eases that pain. He goes on, his purpose here, his purpose is to proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Think about it. For people facing invasion and captivity, this would have been meaningful. That we are not facing physical captivity, thankfully, but we can deal with our own spiritual captivities in ways, can we not? I read that there are approximately 861,000 self-help books on Amazon. 861,000. Why is that? Well, it's because so many of us feel stuck somehow in life, and we don't know how to be unstuck. Is that you? Is that you this evening? you're captive in a way habits in your life that that you know are destructive but you don't know how to stop maybe a, a secret life you're living and you're hiding it from those that are closest to you and you know it's corroding your soul but you feel so stuck the Christmas child 
The Christmas child is saying here, he came to throw open the prison doors and bring you into a measure of freedom. Skip ahead to the effects of this transformation. Do you see them? At the end of verse 2. Skip to the end of verse 2. He says, to comfort, to comfort those who are mourning. Then he, he elaborates on this sense of mourning almost with a series of before and after pictures. Verse 3, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to, to give them a, a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. Ashes on the head were a sign of, of mourning, of grief, of sadness. But a crown of beauty will replace those ashes on one's head instead. You see the transformation here. Maybe you've experienced some loss recently. So many have. So many have in 2020. And if that's you, I'm sorry. I'm genuinely sorry. Many have lost a loved one or a job. Jesus never minimizes your pain. He doesn't say that it doesn't matter. But he does here offer you a whole new perspective on life. Look at, with, at it with me, please. It continues, the oil, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Gladness replaces mourning. Praise replaces a, a faint spirit. Earlier in Isaiah, in chapter 42, this same servant of the Lord, it, it is said of him that he will not quench a faintly burning wick. Imagine a, imagine a candle that is just, just flickering. It's, it's going out. It's faintly burning. It's the same word used here for a faint spirit. This, this candle that is faintly burning. The one born at Christmas doesn't come along and put it out. He doesn't extinguish it. He wants to fan that it back into flame. He's gentle. He's loving. He's kind. He seeks to restore. Maybe tonight your faith in Christ feels like a faintly burning candle. Feels like it's going to go out. The one born at Christmas, the one who identified with this passage, is saying he wants to rekindle that flame, not snuff it out. Turn to him. He will help you this evening. With the result, notice the result in verse 3. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And he might be a, a mighty, lofty tree transplanted by God in his forest for his own glory. You see the transformation that Jesus identified as his mission statement, his job description, the why of Christmas itself, why he entered this world. It's social, it's emotional spiritual transformation. But I skipped over an important phrase, didn't I? I skipped over one of the purpose clauses 
back in verse 2. Verse 2, he says, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. In the words that Daniel read earlier, you may have noticed when Jesus is reading them in that synagogue in Nazareth, he stops in the middle of that clause. He reads the favor part. He doesn't read the vengeance part. Why is that? Well, because what Isaiah saw is happening all together in reality happens through the two comings of Christ. His first coming at Christmas, he brings favor. And when he comes again, it will be to bring judgment. But the judgment that is rightfully against us is turned into favor for all who believe because of what this same servant does in Isaiah 53. In that chapter, he, he takes our place in judgment. In that chapter, he, he stands in our stead before the bar of justice. That's Good Friday. That's the cross of Christ before he arose that Easter morning. This is how it can be the Lord's favor to you instead of one day God's holy judgment. It's kind of like this. My wife and I, we lived in the, in the upper Midwest for almost 14 years. And I'm from the East Coast originally. I found in the Midwest they have they have intense thunderstorms. <coughs> intense amounts of lightning come through in the summertime. But if you go out, especially in the countryside, and you look at maybe one of the older barns, you will see something on the roof. For just that purpose, you will see a lightning rod. And a lightning rod absorbs the full fury, the, the voltage of the lightning and, and directs it down into the ground. That's why the baby was in the manger that first Christmas. That's how judgment is turned to favor for all who believe. He came out of divine love and divine mercy. He came out of divine favor to absorb the judgment of God for our rebellion against God. He came to receive the most amazing act of love, the wrath we deserve, to give the favor we do not deserve. We have all sinned and, and gone astray, Isaiah says. But the one born at Christmas, the one born at Christmas brings good news for the poor and helpless. He brings healing to our brokenheartedness. He brings freedom for our sense of captivity. He brings beauty in place of ashes, gladness in place of sorrow, and praise where we feel faint and weak and needing help. This is the why of Christmas. This is the passage Jesus identified with 
when he began his ministry. This is the mission statement of the one that was lying in the manger. This is why he came. For you and for me. You know, just before the presidential election last November, I believe it was commentator David French who wrote, what America needs from the church right now is for the church to tell a different story. So true. What America needs, you know, say what the world needs, is for the church to tell a different story, a better story. And Christmas is that better story for us, isn't it? Christmas is the divine Son of God come to be the crucified, risen, reigning, and returning Savior for all who believe. So I want to ask you this Christmas, where do you need that better story right now in your life? What's the, what's the story you're living by or living for? What's the narrative making sense of life for you? Christmas is a better story to believe, to live in light of, and be transformed by yourself. You need this better story in, first, the forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with God, the freedom he offers for your soul. Is that where you are tonight? Well, turn to him, believe it ready to meet you. Or perhaps you hear more brokenhearted, feeling hopeless or helpless, feeling like that faintly burning candle. He's not going to blow you out. He wants to meet you and help you. He has a better story for you. A why. A why that makes sense of every other why? A why that looms larger than all the other whys we wrestle with. A, a lie that enfolds and encompasses the, the whys that we Google. There was a, a pastor named Jeremiah Burroughs in the early 1600s, and he put it like this. He said, name any affliction you face. Name any affliction you face. There is a sea of mercy in Christ to swallow it up. He said, pour a bucket of water on your floor and you have a mess. Take that bucket of water to the ocean and pour it in the ocean and it's swallowed up. That's what it's like, this why of Christmas swallowing up all the other whys you're wrestling with. There's a sea of mercy for you, an ocean of favor, an ocean of grace, through the one. Come at Christmas. Let's pray to him and respond before we sing. And wherever you are tonight, however you might identify with this story, I want to just ask you to consider in your own heart 
and maybe for the first time acknowledge your need for this Savior who is so full of love and holding out favor to you right now. Respond to it. Or where you feel weak, where you feel like that candle faintly burning. Where you feel broken hearted. Or held captive. Receive this good news. Come to him. Believe. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we marvel. We marvel the gift of Christmas. We say thank you, Father, for not sparing your only Son. We say thank you, God the Son, for taking on humanity, to stand in our place, to be the God-man, to rescue all who would believe. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening our eyes to this better, more glorious story. Help us to live in light of it. Even now. We thank you and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.